0: This is Mind Escape. We have episode number 212 today. Uh, we're going to be discussing psychedelics and the psilocybin summit and TAM immigration, integration Excuse me, with our guest, Daniel Schenken, a.k.a. Sitaramdas. And uh, we'll get into that in a second. Before we get started, head on over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash podcast. For just $2 a month, you'll get exclusive guest episodes and segments. We've got a ton of stuff on there, so if you listen to our show... You like it. Just for $2 a month, you'll get tons of stuff that's not on any of our other platforms. So go ahead on over there. Also, you can find us on Discord. And actually, recently, we just started doing these Twitter spaces. I did one the other day. We had like 25 people in there. It was an awesome conversation, lots of people sharing their personal experiences. It was amazing. So we're probably going to be doing that once a week or once every other week. So find us on Twitter if you have not already. And one more thing before we get started, head on over to Indra's Web. Indrasweb.org is the live social media platform we were created to connect open minds. So whether you're talking about this topic or metaphysics or ancient civilizations, whatever it is, it's the perfect place to do it. And uh, the goal again is to connect open minds, and um, you can speculate, hypothesize, theorize, do all that wonderful stuff. So go set up a profile today, and without further ado, welcome on the show, Mr. Daniel Shankin.
2: Thanks so much for having me. It's uh, wonderful to escape with you on this rainy Sunday afternoon.
0: Absolutely. Uh, Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you on. I've uh, heard a couple podcasts you've been on. I think one of them was the Psychedelics Today one and maybe a couple others. And I know we met last year. I helped uh, do something for your Psilocybin Summit, which is coming up. What are the dates for that? The
2: dates are September 16th to the 20th and... Yeah, it's four days celebrating the myth, magic, science and culture of the sacred mushroom. We just cover we cover all of the topics that your regular psychedelic science conference doesn't cover. You know, you can talk about um those sorts of you you know, you could talk about hardcore science, you could talk about policy, uh, and entrepreneurship anywhere. But where else are you gonna talk about psychedelics and midwifery?
0: hmm yeah, I know. Uh, last year you had a range. You had like Paul Stamets and uh, you know some of the big dogs. It's, I saw. Did you? Is that uh, Dennis McKenna is going to be this year? Did I see that correctly?
2: Den- Dennis is coming back for the second time. Awesome. Which is great. It's great to have him back. And this year we are taking a bit of like an eco-conscious focus, there is a, a guy named Richard Doyle. He's a professor at Penn State, and he coined the term ecodelia, mm-hmm. you know, mani- you know or manifestation out of the environment, you know, and how mushrooms, you know, mushrooms are manifested from the environment. They, they in no small part manifest the environment. We kind of know now that um, mycelial networks manage uh, the ecosystem in no small part, and that also we're a part of nature as well, And, you know, when we start to relate with, you know, sacred medicines like that, we start to see that relationship a lot more clearly. Mm. And so we have a lot of people talking about that. And Dennis is offering a talk called The Mind of Gaia, uh, which, you know, really, if you guys know Dennis, like he really rides the line between um, really rigorous science and the more mystical. You know, Mm. he's really, really, really good at having a foot in both worlds.
0: Yeah. I like that about them for sure. And that's kind of what we like to do on the show too. It's finding that true balance between academic and scientific stuff and also the mystical and spiritual side of life. And, uh, I think, um, yeah, I think it should be a good one. And I really enjoyed it last year. And, uh, you know, I think we did, I think I did like a five hour, I don't even know what you called it, like a, um, Intensive I think is what you call the session with Tom Lane And he went through all the sacred mushroom rituals and codices and texts and everything and that was pretty interesting and um, Yeah, I mean like you said, it's just a balance of a lot of different things And I think you do a great job bringing a ton of different people together. And I think that that's what this is all about, right?
2: Um, it is it is what it's all about and the nice thing about folks like Dennis, you know, people know him, people love him, and People will come to see Dennis, but then they'll stay to see a wide variety of people that they've never heard of. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of people out there with really, really important things to say that don't necessarily have a platform and are perhaps a little bit too out there for a ordinary science conference, you know, and so giving them a chance to, like I said, talk about psychedelics and midwifery, you know, talking about. Uh, the use of psychedelics in, you know, archaic Africa, you know, you know, historical uh, uh, psychedelic use in Ireland. We've been we're doing a lot of we've got a lot of the eco stuff happening and we've got a lot of cross-cultural things happening. We've got some folks from the Psychedelic Society of India, which until recently I didn't really even know was a thing. Mm, you know, what what are they doing over there? I don't know. I want to know. Yeah. yeah.
3: So I mean, is this event uh digital or you can you can access it from your home?
2: Yeah, it's online.
3: Uh cool. I um and we were doing them online
2: before the pandemic even. Uh you know, the the technology came out and it, it was like I wanted to do things online because I can't always just travel to like Ankarapoko. You know, or you know, breaking convention or, you know, the event in Prague or the event in Hungary or even, you know, the event across the country is not always practical for me. You know, I'm a, you know, a husband and a father and, you know, it's it's not even really that fun to be away from my family, but, you know, it's like, I still want the experience. I still want to build a community. I still want the knowledge. And, you know, with this, it's possible.
3: Yeah. I mean, that's something that our podcast was able to do because he's Michael's in Chicago. I'm in Detroit. And uh, we've been able to reach people all across the world, so that's a really been uh, very eye-opening for us to see other cultures and how they perceive things and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And Detroit
2: has an amazing psychedelic community as well, doesn't it? Yeah, it's yeah. pretty good. It's
3: pretty pretty prevalent down here. Yeah, that's how we we're got into here. all
0: this stuff. I mean, when we were in high school. Um, there wasn't really any communities of the stuff. There were some people doing some stuff, or here and there, whatever. But we got heavy into jam bands. We were heavy into Fish. We were heavy into <laughs> mm-hmm. the Grateful Dead. We were heavy into all the um, stuff. And then we started a band too. And that's kind of how we got into this thing. And the only resource we had was Arrowhead, you know. And um, right that's kind of what it was back then. There really wasn't any of this mystical talk. I mean, there's a couple books out there or whatever, but it was just us reading trip reports on Irwin and imagining things and playing music and jamming and stuff like that. So what's,
2: what's your origin story with all this? It's the same thing. I come from the you know, from the psychedelic rock and roll lineage. Uh, I found my parents record collection. Hmm. Yeah. You know, Uh, You know, they had the Beatles, they had the mamas and the papas, they had Jeff Beck and Jimi Hendrix and the Doors, and I really liked that aesthetic. You know, this, like, the, the, the peace and love kind of thing really spoke to me, and the creativity and the art I really liked, and I had this sense that psychedelics were in the middle of it, and it seemed like it was a grand experiment that wasn't over, like the hippie experiment, and that I still wanted to see that culture sort of prevail over the modern culture th- that I was living in. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so I figured that if I wanted to participate, I should see what all the fuss was about with the psychedelics. And, and it took, you know, I, um, I liked that vibe and kind of the rest was history. But I was also aware that, you know, the Beatles had a yoga practice, you know, Ram Dass had a yoga practice And before the word integration was like a big thing, it's like that's what I knew people were doing. They were doing yoga practice. They were doing meditation practice. And that's sort of where I landed. You know, it's like, you know, one of the big books that I found was Be Here Now. And at the back of the book, there was Cookbook for a Sacred Life. And Ram Dass said, you know, this is this experience is real. And if you want to live it every day, you have to do your work, Mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. And so. I think that's something that's sort of big now is kind of doing your work, um, taking care of, you know, your shadow, you know, emptying out the skeletons in your closet. But that doesn't mean that, you know, we can't go see a good show. You know, sometimes we yeah. get to do the work like at the show while the music, you know, in the middle of an antelope. <laughs> yeah,
3: absolutely.
0: No, I uh, I completely agree. And I think, though, um, The weird thing, though, is, and I I don't know if this was true for you, even though it sounds like you kind of come from a similar background and the music aspect of it and everything. I really, other than my first time and being like open to the idea that there's more to life than what what meets the eye, you know, because like I was raised Catholic or whatever, and I never really had a connection to that. Uh, And then when I got a little bit older, I'm like, I'm not going to do this. This is not, you know, something. And it was never like really thrust upon me, but. It was just something I went along with and then first psilocybin experience, boom, I think I was probably 15 or 16 years old and it just completely changed my outlook on life. And from there I've always Mm -hmm. been curious about like mysterious and mystical and anomalies and things like that. So, um, is that true for you too? Like, did you feel like your first experience kind of catapulted you into this mindset or lifestyle?
2: Well, there was, like a lot of things, there was some some gradual stuff, and then there were some quantum leaps, right? And so psychedelics were very, very kind and kind of gentle, if not, you know, occasionally crazy-making and harrowing and, you know, intense. But for the most part, you know, I got to have, you know, my, my teenage years were you know, we were exploring. I mean, I know that there was some sort of consciousness to it. It wasn't purely recreational. You know, we were, we were doing both. We sort of knew there was something out there. We were yearning for something greater, but we didn't know how to do, you know, just a couple of kids in a basement or in the woods or something. And it wasn't until later that I started doing, yoga practice it was probably inspired by the psychedelic youth and then i started doing yoga and reading books on buddhism and stuff like that and i was like oh let's become a buddha let's become enlightened you know Mm -hmm. that's what's in the book that's what you're supposed to do and then i took a trip and the voices came the buddhas came out of the woodwork and they said oh you want you want to be like us this is all the stuff you need to handle Right. This is all this stuff, all of the big mess in your way that if you want to be like us, you have to handle. And that was very humbling. Right. And mm. that sort of catapulted me onto the path. And then they said they also said, if you want to be like us, this is what it'll be like. And they showed me the most magnificent, glorious, like connection with uh, the almighty. I don't know that that I had ever experienced. And they were like, this is what it'll be like if you clean up that. And I said, deal. Mm. I've been working on it ever since.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And you mentioned Ramda saying like you got to put in the work. So, I mean, I think that's Mm -hmm. common among, you know, I see I meditate. I've been meditating for probably five or six years pretty intensely. Uh, But Mm I remember always thinking that like who medit, like before that, like who meditates, does this even work kind of a thing? And I know I talk to a lot of people now. They're like, Oh, I've tried it or I tried it for 10 minutes and it didn't work. And it's like, you actively have to like keep doing it until it kind of does working out for your mind. It's not something that you just fall into and it's like, Oh, it works. You know, it's something that, you know, you might have the first few times moments of peace and, and stillness, but then, you know, how do you get to those deeper levels? And I think that that's where most people don't understand is like when they hear people talking about meditation and going to these, these places, you know, they don't realize that it takes that much work right like i mean is do you have a similar take on that
2: well also i think that a lot of people might not be doing the right practice for them Mm. there's a lot of bad information about meditation out there and there's a lot people so they might be doing the wrong practice they might also have the wrong expectations right they might be trying to to go for a certain thing like, Oh, I can't get my mind to be still. And I was like, I know you have all of these voices that need to be heard. You have all of these emotions, you have all of these feelings, you have all of these unmet needs that are desperately trying to be heard. And it's not your job to try and repress them any further. Right. That's society has been doing that for the past 20, 30 years.
1: Right.
2: Right. It's your job to start to like evacuate your distress. Right. And instead of trying to make your mind quiet, try to like make your expectations quiet enough so that you can hear like your inner child like cry about stuff that it's still sad about since you were eight, instead of just saying, get over it. Right? It's like there's no kindness there and be like, just get over it. It's like, no, let yourself feel it on the cushion. Mm. You know, so you don't act out. You know, there's a lot of grown ups having temper tantrums all the time
1: mm-hmm.
2: because they haven't worked out the stuff from their childhood, you know, and we don't use that term for grown-ups a lot, but, you know, it's even funny. You know, I, I have a, a kid, so we use the term grown-ups and we use the term temper tantrum, but so often I see, you know, people not getting their way where mm-hmm. people's expectations not being met and they revert back to childhood and they create some kind of mess and then they look back on it and they don't know how it happened. Right.
0: That's absolutely true. Yeah.
2: And I do mean. it too.
0: You know, and and the interesting thing for me is like I think for me the real work has always been the 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 dose of psilocybin in the dark meditating and then I think of things that I haven't even thought of in years or things that have happened to me and like you work it out in your mind and you just try and understand and I think that Um, You can do that probably through meditation too, obviously in mindfulness and everything like that. But I think that there's something to be said about the combination for me, at least like you said, everything's kind of personal, the combination of those two things coming together um, and, and, and experiencing like things from your history that, and it's weird because I feel like sometimes my memory that comes up in those experiences is more vivid and reliable than even my memory of those things in my day-to-day consciousness, if that makes sense
2: makes perfect sense there's tons of things that i haven't thought of in a hundred years and then they pop up and you're like oh this is still undealt with Mm -hmm. and you know and, and one of the things that's cool is you know we talk about understanding you use the term understanding which is a great word you know the the psilocybin has this way of allowing me to like understand with my heart as well as my head Right. So on one level, like I'm figuring it out, like with my mind. And on the other hand, it's like, I don't really understand it until I have compassion for it.
0: Mm. That makes a lot of sense. Do you feel like, um, given the fact that, you know, you saw, you saw, are deeply into meditation and you're interested, obviously, in psychedelics and psilocybin, do you feel like that thing is true where they're like the ultimate goal is to not use the psychedelics, but achieve those states just via meditation or just via like, or, or do you think that that there's really nothing to that? Like, how do you feel? Oh, about who
2: cares? That? Yeah. Who cares what you do? <clears throat> you know, as long as you're not like hurting yourself or frying your brain or like. You know, because there there are drugs that will legitimately fry your brain. Mushrooms, you know, really would take a lot. But, you know, there's research chemicals out there and, you know, poorly made, you know, underground pharmaceuticals that can hurt you after a while.
1: Mm-hmm. But
2: I don't see any reason why somebody wouldn't maybe, like, celebrate on a solstice for the rest of their life.
0: Right. I was just curious because that that is like the archetype, right? Like you hear from a lot of people that it's like the whole goal is to transcend past that. Or I see a lot of people talking about that. It's like, you know, psychedelics are uh, the easy path or the shortcut or something like that.
2: I mean, that's more stigma. Right. Like we live in a a society where that stuff is stigmatized. And... We don't and so unpacking that is difficult even for drug users. You know, there's like a lot of internalized hatred and judgment that we have. And we think to ourselves, Oh, if like one day I didn't need to use this magical molecule that, you know, is possibly responsible for the development of my consciousness, then I'll be better. Right. Right? It's like if you believe in stone ape, which I do on some days. You know, the only reason you can talk is because of mushrooms. Hmm. And we know from studies that uh, mushrooms create more stable and strong connections in your neurology, right? Your nervous system thrives off mushrooms. Well, there's that chart that
0: shows pre-dose and then after-dose, and it shows all the neural connections off the charts on the after-dose. So, I mean, obviously something's happening
2: well, there's that. So we do have more creativity, right? So we we function better in the moment, but it also like works on like nervous system cellular production. And yeah. again, I'm not a scientist, but you know this this who said it was Alan. So Alan Watts was the guy who said when you get the message, hang up the phone,
1: mm-hmm.
2: right? Alan Watts dry, died of alcoholism. Like yeah, he was, right. he had a lot, <laughs> he had a lot of wonderful things to right. say. And but he he wasn't a Buddha. A very he quotable. Right. I mean,
0: what would you even consider him like a philosopher? Or?
2: Yeah, you know, he's like he's he's full of good sound bites. You know, he's like work. He's like re, He works really well with um. With like trans music, you know, if you need if you need a, a clip for some trans music, it's really really great. And a lot of his stuff is brilliant. Um, a lot of his stuff is dated, and so I don't know. That's that's my thought is like, watch out for internalized stigma and do what you want. Don't try to live up to the expectation of a dead, drunken philosopher.
0: Well, and I agree with that, too. Like um, the Alan Watts stuff aside, I just feel like, for OK, so I mean, I'm not going to go into it, but we've talked about it a million times a show. The reason why, you know, for a while I took a little break off psychedelics in my life and then I came back to them because I had developed OCD, which was so bad that it was resistant mm-hmm. to any sort of you know treatment that I was given or doing and I went through CBT and given every different combination under the sun and nothing was really working and then I I the first time I did it again after that was like it was like going home it was like oh okay this is familiar I feel like I'm home I feel like I can process these things and deal with these things and kind of reset my mind and allow myself to really take a step back and analyze what's going on here Um, And I know there's a lot of people, you know, with the mental health crisis that probably, you know, are looking for options. And I think that that's why Mm -hmm. I'm so supportive of this movement, not just because I believe in it, but because I've experienced it myself. So, um, yeah. Have you had any, you know, mental health things in the past where this has been helpful? Or is it more of just like you said, like more trauma from, you know, the younger years or something like that?
2: Well... You know, I, I'm definitely aware that I need to take care of my mental wellness, right? So let's, I want to use that term. I want to talk about mental wellness. Okay. And and that means different things for different people. And I, um yeah, you know, I can tend towards depression a little bit. Um, you know, I can be impulsive. I'm not exactly neurotypical. Uh, And I find that, you know, some of this stuff at the right time, you know, like you were saying, you take a break and breaks are good. You know, we don't do everything all the time, but finding a sort of a whole stack, like a whole regimen of like mental health and well-being is really an idea whose time has come. Hmm. Right? We are not taught to prioritize that thing. Right. There is, you know, mental health is also a stigma. Right. And so, like, if you're going to see a therapist, you know, for a long time, what did that mean? Like only like very mentally ill people went to see therapists. It wasn't necessarily people who cared about their mental well-being and their mental health. Right. would go see a therapist to just kind of work things out and keep things just like you would see a personal trainer. Right. Right. Or or a dentist. Right. You know, you got to wait until you have bad teeth to go see a dentist. And so, you know, hopefully we're, you know, we are finding a meditation practice that works for us and we're finding a uh, physical practice that works for us and a dietary practice that works for us because all of those things are connected and we matter enough, right? We are not prioritized in a late capitalist system, right? You know, you know, well, that's what I, I, be, Sorry, I was supposed to go ahead.
3: I was going to say, reasons. that's what I like to attribute it to. It's like if you had a broken leg. And you didn't go to a doctor, you'd be looked at as a fool. But for some reason, when you have these mental problems, mm-hmm. something in our society has made us feel like it's not OK to go get this mental help. But I like I, someone was someone said that and I, that was like something that always stuck to my head. It's like your mind is a is something part of your body. And if it's broken or it needs help to get he- to heal, then you should seek out that 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 help. So mhm.
0: I would also point yeah. out too, like I was just watching Mad Men with my wife, you know, reruns or whatever, like a few weeks ago, and there was an episode, and this was what, the 50s and the early 60s, and they're talking, yeah. oh, well so-and-so went to shrink, oh my god, you know, it was like the, the crazy, and <laughs> yeah. I think that that's how it used to be, and I think that you're right, I think that that's why we're kind of in the position that we're in to some degree. It was a combination of Mm -hmm. the, the stigma and then they stopped all the uh, psychedelic research. What late or early seventies, I think was the last test. And then uh, Rick Strassman kind of revitalized it with the DMT experiments. And now you have all the psychedelic research happening, which is awesome. But um yeah, I think that it is stigmatized. I think
3: in the 90s it was like that. But
0: so. my whole point, and I always say this on the podcast, is I don't know anybody that doesn't have some form of mental issues in terms of like, um, you know, anxiety or depression or anything. It's just like we're, we're so, there's so many terms and things out there now that I don't know anybody that doesn't have something, right? I mean, I don't know if that's true for you, but everybody's got their own thing. So I don't mm-hmm. know why it's well,
2: stigmatized at all. Well, the thing is, is you know, again, we're all very different, and we're all you know, expected to fit into like one box,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and that doesn't really work. And I sort of feel like you know, mental health is a lot like dental health. It's like your teeth. You know, it's like not everybody is sort of like just kind of broken. You know, it's like like this is like a broken bone. You were saying like if right. you had a broken bone, you go fix it. A lot of people are in a situation of like like the state of your teeth like you brush your teeth every day like if you didn't brush your teeth every day people would be like whoa <laughs> and you'd be like i don't have a cavity yeah right and so a lot of people is sort of this kind of quality like frog in the pot sort of thing you know where our 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 situation kind of gets slowly worse and slowly worse and slowly worse and we don't notice it or we don't have time for it or we'll take care of it after like the q2 reports or something like that you know or whatever it is you know whatever like the important deadline in your life is and it just kind of gets put on the back burner until there's a crisis and we just need to stop like waiting for crisis
0: yeah i mean that's true it is something i mean i'm definitely guilty of that i mean i'm sure most people are but that putting putting it off to the last second until it becomes dire and I think that
3: uh, yeah waiting for the
0: dam to break isn't the best move yeah I mean Mm -hmm.
2: I've tried to get better but yeah it is tough Um, so with Tam uh, can I just say thank you for working on it thank you for like taking care of yourself
0: oh yeah no thank you I mean it's these kinds of conversations and people like you that are out there bringing people together putting these groups together and connecting people. I mean, that's like I said, that's what it's all about. I mean, I feel good when somebody sends me an email and says, thank you for talking about your OCD or thank you for discussing, mm-hmm. you know, these topics or whatever. It makes me feel good because it's like, I know that that doesn't happen that often. And I know that there needs to be more of this. So I appreciate you saying thank you. Right. And I also say thank you. Good, sir. So, yeah. um,
2: well, because yeah, yeah. Cause you're doing important work. You know, this podcast touches people for sure. Well, I appreciate that. Thank um,
0: you. So with the integration thing, I was going to ask you, um, you do these circles and these groups. Mm-hmm. Um, I never really, I still haven't done like a ceremony or been around people. The, the only thing I can relate it to is when I was younger and we would all, or me and my friends or whoever in the group was like, let's take, you know, psilocybin or let's do this or let's do that or let's go to a show, you know, and it's like there was instances where I didn't feel connected to them in a positive way. It was more like, mm-hmm. oh, this friend's kind of a piece of shit of a person and i don't (laughs) know why i'm friends with this person and i don't like things about myself and i don't like things about myself in 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 the way that i interact with people and you know i'm associating with this person and some of those people i was right Mm -hmm. about by the way but um i think that you know is that is that something that's normal when you think when you're growing up or doing that stuff at, you know, those kinds of age groups? Or do you think that that's something that is just insight into a specific situation?
2: Well, yeah, I mean, it's always hard to know whether we're projecting or whether we're having insight. Right. right? You know, there's certainly, again, in this culture, people have a lot of self-hatred, you know, and it's, it's interesting. You know, I start talking about self-hatred and... Then people reach out to me and they're like, oh, I hope you're okay. And I I was like, I just want to tell everybody I'm kind of talking about me, but I'm also kind of talking about everybody. (laughs) You know, it's like we all sort of have these some internalized ways that we don't like ourselves. Mm -hmm. And that stuff gets brought up. um, And some of it's legitimate criticism. And sometimes we're just picking on ourselves. And then sometimes when we're picking on ourselves, we pick on other people, too. You know, it's just sort of the way that we do things. Uh, And so, you know, on one hand, we have to gain the wisdom. And, you know, I I spent a little time in some 12-step programs. And it's, you know, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, the wisdom to know the difference. And it's like sometimes you have to step up and make a change in your life. Sometimes you just have to notice, oh, I'm beating myself up for no reason and knock it off, Mm. you know. And I do want to talk about, like, if there are young people here, um, you know, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm 46, you know, people are an increasing number of people are young people to me. But if there are young people here who haven't had experiences with ceremony, one thing that I would say is just add a little reverence to your session, you know maybe you could you know the first thing that you can do is just talk to the medicine and tell it what you want and ask it to help you Mm. if you want it to help you like put it in your hands and look at it and say please help me right i i really um thank you for being thank you for showing up because psychedelics are hard to find because right the law so thank you and then maybe with your friends build an altar together You know, just get the things to you that are important or meaningful or special or sacred. And just as an art project together, build an altar together, you know, stick a picture of your grandpa on it, you know, Mm
1: -hmm.
2: and just and and just like hang out, spend a little time. You know, maybe you're going to spend a little time dancing to music or getting a little crazy or making a bunch of jokes. Spend a little time like checking out your altar together, Mm -hmm. you know, and I will bet. I'll bet you a dollar. That it changes the tenor of your journey and it's just like you don't it doesn't have you don't have to be a priest to add a little ceremony to your journey hmm.
0: yeah i agree about the reverence for sure and i think that that's super super important i didn't develop that probably till my late 20s early 30s and um mm-hmm. that's kind of what i was mentioning it's like i kind of went through this realization through these having these experiences with people not in circles but like i said like social hanging out environments or going to shows and stuff mm-hmm. like, i'm going to separate myself from these people because they're kind of doing their own thing that isn't conducive to kind of what i'm trying to do and I, at one point at some point i'm just kind of separated myself entirely and started doing my own thing and when i started doing my own thing i started to develop like the connection to the medicine or plant or fungus, whatever. And it, it, mm-hmm. it became apparent that like, there's more to this and there's, um, a spiritual aspect or esoteric aspect to this, that even if you did share it, it's really not the same thing as experiencing that inside. Um, but again, I, 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 am bringing this up. Cause I, like I said, I know you set up these circles and there's in- good intentions because everybody that that's there wants to be there and wants to contribute this mm-hmm. like positive energy and I think that that's completely different than what we were like what I was just discussing right. which is how most people
2: get into this kind of stuff. Well I do want to make a distinction that I don't lead psychedelic ceremony. No no I, I, I just meant right. like connecting people. Yeah the integration circles are for people who've had experiences that want to talk about them in community. So we meet every Wednesday and we have a women's circle on those first and third Thursdays where people who have had powerful experiences who kind of want to take them apart and make meaning and sometimes get support and sometimes get feedback and just be with like minded people because maybe they don't have a local community. You know, these be they have, you know terrible friends like you did <laughs> you know they want some nicer friends i mean maurice you know, was always
0: one call. of my friends but he knows what i'm talking about too like there's people that are that don't have the same intentions and i think that that's just yes. basically what it comes down to
3: well that's the kind of stuff you fall into when you're in high school you, you have a great group of friends and then there's other cliques that kind of join you and not everybody is uh is made out for each other And then as you grow older some of the friends you continue to, to, to hang with and then it kind of weeds it out of your life yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, when you're young, you do you, you just, you, you know, you smoke pot with the other kids that smoke pot. Absolutely. You got know, to You, you got to figure it out. You know who who's really your people at some point, and that's kind of a fun journey. There's this um algorithm that um you know I I was listening to a podcast one time about like algorithms for life, and there's something called the explore exploit algorithm. Have you guys heard of this? No, no. I, I really like it because as as I again, I enter, you know, I'm, I'm sort of hanging out in middle age right now. Uh, I'm more in the exploit phase and exploits not necessarily a bad word in math. It just means you use what you have.
1: Right.
2: And so, you know, when we're new to something, we explore it like like if you move to a new town and you want to go eat Thai food, you go to a Thai restaurant and then that's your only barometer. And then you keep exploring. So you go to a different Thai restaurant and there's a 50-50 chance it's better. And then you go to another Thai restaurant and, you know, the percentages change. And then after you go to maybe five or six, you're like, you know what, I like that one. And then you just go there for the rest of your life. Yeah. You know, and so it's like you explore the ways that the medicines work for you until you sort of get better at it. And then you just kind of do it that way. And then maybe you mess up or maybe you learn something new and it changes a little bit. But, you know, you explore it until you get comfortable and you develop a relationship. You know, you you guys have had a, how long have you guys known each other? I mean, we're cousins oh, our, our
0: whole lives.
2: Right. So you kind of know how it works. Your relationship makes sense to you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like either of you is going to go start a podcast with a stranger tomorrow. Oh, I might. I oh, yeah. I was going to say. well, we'll <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm looking I'm looking for a new partner. <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> I'm in. Um, <laughs> oh, man, no. no, I was talking about Maurice. Uh-oh. I'm
3: um, recruiting Maurice. No, I'm just well, kidding. if you want you to to make a comedy <laughs> joke here or there, then you came to the right place, my friend. No, actually, I'm nice. really
0: impressed with Maurice's spiritual development in the last couple of years because it was something when we got into this, he was just interested in some of the stuff, and I think that uh, he's definitely grown on his own right, in this in this uh, realm of things that we discuss, so I really mm-hmm. can appreciate him for that.
3: Um, well, it's one thing to have a conversation on a canoe trip about the stars and aliens and stuff like that, then it's another thing to create a podcast. And me and Michael have done some research and looked at a lot of the reasons podcasts fail, and most of them can't make it past episode ten. To, so to be on what is it, episode like third two 212, thirteen or something uh, two twelve, so. Yeah, I, you definitely need somebody to, to light the fire under your butt, and Michael does all the research, so we'll give him a round of applause, if you know what I mean.
2: Right on. Um, Why do most podcasts fail? We shouldn't get into that. That's, yeah, a, different, yeah. that's a different episode. No, I was
0: actually going to ask you, though, because you do something really cool, and I don't know if you're still doing it, but you do this thing where you interview musicians and creative people mm-hmm. um, as a podcast, and... Uh, is that something that just kinda happened or did you have that in mind going into it? Or I mean, what was your inspiration for that?
2: Right. So there was it was called Instrumental Breakthroughs. Yeah. And it probably had about thirty five episodes. Okay. And it was sort of a pan it was my pandemic project. Okay. And, you know, we had moved online. One of my favorite podcasts is No Simple Road. Okay. You know, it's it's a basically these really nice hippies from Oregon interview musicians. <laughs> And they're really sweet guys, and they've been—they've spoken at my conferences, and I've been on their podcast, and we're friends and stuff. Um, but so I was inspired by them, and then I don't know if you know Brian Markowitz—he runs something called Deadheadland, it's a Facebook group where no, he streams I, I a lot of live music okay. and stuff like that. Keeps up with the set lists, and he—you know—the pandemic happened, and he was moving everybody, all his friends who were musicians, online where they could play for tips. And he said, will you do like your integration thing on my channel? And I said, well, how about we like mix my integration thing with some music and I'll interview musicians and I'll talk to them about how psychedelics inspired their creativity.
0: Which was really unique. And that's what I loved about it. Cause I don't really hear, even like if you listen to like some of the dead podcasts or fish podcasts or whatever, they'll mm-hmm. talk about it but it's not talked about it in a way that is understood from like the musician or the creative aspect of things and how that plays out you know so um i thought that, that was actually one of the more interesting aspects of it
2: i actually listened to a few of them there i enjoyed them so yeah well thanks um it was it was it was good while it lasted you know what i mean so it's something um, it you, didn't... you're
0: not going to do going forward
2: I don't know if I am. I mean, we. I, it, it ran about a year. Okay. And I don't... We made it past 10.
1: Okay. Uh, there you go.
2: <laughs> That's a big step. Uh, but, I, you know, I just... I felt pretty complete with it. I and understand. And to, to be honest, like, booking was tough. Oh, I'm sure. You know, it's sort of... You know, it, it's... You know, you, I, I tour through all my friends and, and my friends of friends... And, you know, it's, it's sort of tough to get, you know, a very particular, it was a very niche. And so to get, you know, a musician that somebody wants to listen to them talk instead of play is one thing. Mm -hmm. And then a musician that somebody actually wants to listen to who does psychedelics is another. right? And then a musician that people want to listen to who actually does psychedelics, who's willing to talk about it is another. And so as you're in this very narrow um, pool, um, but it was, and then, you know, I, I'm doing things like the summit, and it was just like, you know, I, I too just much busy. Yeah. It was too much, and it was like, I, it's a nice artifact, and I'm glad I really, I'm glad I did it, and it was really nice to kind of work with my friends who helped, but I think we're good. Yeah, I understand
0: everything runs its score sometimes and you know you know like you said you have too much going on but I just wanted to say that I did appreciate that and I liked uh, the episodes I listened to and some I mean Maurice and I are both musicians that's what I was doing before we started this podcast I was playing yeah are you dance. a musician
3: I
2: was going to ask you I am you know I can play along around a campfire uh, you know okay. I, I play guitar um, you know I have a ukulele too trying to teach my kid to play ukulele I'm not, I have not a lot of urge to get on stage. Hmm. I like campfires. I like living rooms, that kind of thing.
3: That's interesting because I'm almost the exact opposite. My cousin, uh, me and Michael's other cousin, Rob, we were on our canoe trip this year and he's like, let's play around the fire. And I, I, I For some reason, I get nervous. I don't like to play in my living room in front of people, but when it's in the stage atmosphere, when I have a band behind me, I feel a lot more comfortable, so I don't know. I am quite shy when it comes to that thing because it's quite a personal endeavor, but right. um I don't even consider myself really a musician. I would consider myself more of a songwriter artist to mm. that degree where I don't really know much music theory. I just can... I kind of write, like, I don't even know what the chords are that I'm playing. I would just write a song that, you know, I like to, I took a poetry class in college and I was really into the poetry thing and I like to combine mm-hmm. the words and the music. I think that's a nice art form. Obviously, the humans, the human race is connected a lot to song with lyrics and that it evokes moods within us. So I, that's that's the kind of the approach I like to take it. But I think it's kind of interesting that you like to do the uh, the opposite of what I like to do
2: yeah I just want to be with the folks.
3: I did perform
2: a couple of years ago um uh at my wedding. Oh nice so we got we uh, we got married at one of my wife's family's homes in Rhode Island, and I googled Grateful Dead Cover band Rhode Island
1: <laughs>
2: and there were you know f- I found five crappy bar bands. And then one that was like and it, one acoustic band it was like you know banjo, stand up bass, guitar, that kind of thing yeah, that's cool. and I was like, those are my guys, and you know I, I when I was living in Marin county, you know there's Grateful Dead people there, and yeah. you know mark Mark Karen you guys know mark Karen uh no, but I mean, I know you know all the
0: people in California like the The jam scene there is pretty heavy, especially with deadheads and dead people.
2: Yeah. So, Mark played Jerry's part in like The Dead for a while, you know, like 2005 ish. He was in Rat Dog for a while Mm. and he gives guitar lessons, you know, just like if you're around, he's a neighborhood guy. Yeah. And so, we worked on How Sweet It Is. And then I told the band, and like the band really backed it up. And it was, it was really fun. You know, it was a little terrifying. But you know, you do things for you know, you love your wife, you sing her a song on her wedding day, yeah, yeah, and um, you know, that was nice, yeah, that's um, awesome so, you know if you know i i think that you know, if I ever get married again, maybe I'll play another song.
3: It's also sweet to get your wife to have a Grateful Dead cover band as your wedding <laughs> <Yeah>. band,
2: <laughs> right, well, you know, the deal was you can you you can definitely be in charge of everything else yeah. I think of the, I think of the band. <laughs> Like you can have everything else exactly the way you want it, you know. I'm, uh... Yeah, I mean
0: it's it's unfortunate we were actually only eleven when Jerry died, but uh, mm. I mean we were able to see the other ones when they toured with everybody and Robert Hunter, except for Jerry, obviously. Uh, we were able to see mm-hmm. that a, a few times, and you uh, saw we saw tons of Dark Star. Yeah, Dark Star Orchestra always played around the theaters around where we grew up, so we were always checking them out when we Where'd were. Where'd you grow up? Uh, like the the suburbs of Detroit. Um, so just that Detroit area, like the Royal Oak music theater and like all those places, uh, you know, always had jam bands coming in and out. So, um, that's great. But yeah, I, you know, that's why we got into fish really is cause more of the instrumental stuff and, um, uh, like the jazzy influence and everything like that. But I mean, I like, I, I love them equally. You know, I, I hate people that you know, take a dump on either one or like talk shit online about either one. Cause it's like, I love them both equally, you know, as, as a musician, I respect both Jerry and Trey. So, uh, I never really under understood the hate, but, um,
2: Oh yeah. yeah, I'm I'm not going to hate, I'm not going to hate on anybody. I mean, Jerry has, is kind of supreme in my mind. You know, it's like, it's not even a competition. There's no competition. It's just like, Jerry is there and it's like, you know, the, 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 you can't, That's no disrespect to anybody else.
3: No, no, no. I don't think that fish would have existed (laughs) or had the inspiration if they didn't have a jam band that was fusing the the blues and the jazz into the rock kind of scene. So you need that band. And also Jerry influenced so many others besides Trey, but... You know, you, it's hard to compare their it... two musics, but it's like you need one to. Yeah, kind I don't of compare them at the all one.
0: usually. Like I like if I want to feel emotional, I'll put on like Broke Down Palace, or, you know, or if I want to feel kind of like a little uh, a, a, like a a vibe of a live show, I'll throw on any of the Europe '72 or my second favorite Year '77, you know, any of that stuff. And then, you know, for the fish, it's for me it's different. As a guitarist, I always gravitated more towards Trey because I feel like there's a lot more. Um, you know early days Trey like there's a lot more pushing the boundaries of what actually playing the guitar is, is all about and I think that uh, Jerry did the same thing for his time and, and we just were unfortunately not of that time so I think that that's kind of where that mm-hmm. kind of differed but um, yeah I and love. and then
2: let's not forget Government Mule I love oh, yeah. Warren
0: oh. Haynes <laughs> yeah Almond Brothers I mean the Almond Brothers is actually what, what Maurice and I are have a kinship over is all the early almond Brothers stuff and um derek derek trucks i love all that stuff so yeah
3: well it's all from your parents like 15 yeah
2: (laughs) i saw derek trucks i believe playing with one of the uh, it was like one of the almond brothers not like the whole almond brothers band but like one of them was like playing at la luna in portland oregon and Derek was allowed to play for the first set, but then he had to, like, go to bed. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it was probably Greg Allman's uh, when he was doing his thing. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's great. Yeah. Cra- he looks like one of the Allman brothers, too. He doesn't look like Butch Truck's son. He looks like he's, like, uh, um, mm-hmm. you know, Dwayne's kid or, you know, Greg's kid or something. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we love all that. That's, that's, like, kind of, like, our background is all that stuff. Actually, I mean, initially, we got into, like, you know, in high school, we read electric Kool-Aid acid test and, uh, all these books mm-hmm. on like on the road and all these things that kind of opened our mind to all that kind of a culture, the Mary pranksters and Ken Kesey and the acid tests and well, all that stuff that was happening. And that kind of like, Whoa, we got to get on the road. We have to experience life kind of a thing. And that's why we enjoyed the jam band things. So we were able to travel and see some of these shows, even in high school. So.
1: Yeah, indeed.
2: And um, you know who I think is the sweetest guy is, uh, dave schools and like his production work i'm not like the hugest panic head seen him a few times yeah but i i I like dave schools vibe is is really really nice just feel like um just feel like saying that for whatever reason no no (laughs) it's cool i
0: i like dave schools i i like panic i like obviously the earlier days with mikey but I think I mm-hmm. mean Jimmy Herring's one of my favorite guitar players, so He's bringing an him into the mix yeah. is is a good call, definitely. And well, I like and when he played with the dead, with too. Jazz is dead too. Oh, I love it's I still throw on that CD, and it's hard to find. I don't think you could. They play it on YouTube or anything, but uh, you know, like I King have Solomon's Marbles. Then. Oh, you do? Yeah, like all that stuff's amazing to me. Yeah. Um, what's your uh, so in terms of like. What you're doing going forward? Are you just going to continue to do like these psilocybin summits and these integration circles and that kind of stuff, or do you have anything? Is it like evolving towards something else, or is that kind of the plan?
2: Well, I like doing them. I, I I might need to take a break for a minute because more and more people are coming to me for training. Hmm. Yeah, I'm a I'm a coach too. I do a lot of one-on-one work with people of preparation, integration, that kind of stuff, and I have a class called Sitting for Psychonauts. Which is, um, aka, meditation for the journey, hmm. and it's mostly it was originally designed for people to be their own best trip sitter. You know, it's like right. to sort of have you know having e- meditators have more fun, right, in psychedelic spaces. So you just I if you have sure better do. control, you have over your mind, yeah. like the more capable you are to you know handle curve balls and stuff like that. Um, and then what started happening is like therapists and other trip sitters and guides start showing up to learn more meditation techniques. And that's been really cool and really rewarding. It's just sort of like this really cool group of folks Mm -hmm. and the people want me to expand the training. So when this summit, when this summit is over, I'm going to, you know, get a massage and take a nap (laughs) and maybe go to a yoga class. And then I'm going to, you know, work on evolving the training into you know something that's you know three or four or five months long
0: that sounds good um how do you feel about because now science kind of is taking um a bigger hold on this uh this psychedelic culture and obviously we owe a ton to the indigenous communities that kept this thing alive all the um uh, clandestine chemists, all the heads, you know, everybody out there that kept this thing going when it was either illegal or frowned upon or whatever the case may be. Um, and now science is taking hold of this and kind of do, picking it apart and everything. And you see even the money sector and they're trying to come up with their own, uh, you know, patents and, and chemicals and everything like that. Do you see this going in a way where they can kind of coexist or do you feel like one will eventually? win over the other because it seems like the science the scientists we've talked to the psychedelic scientists are really cool and they want to keep the at the trip or the psychedelic aspect of it but then you have people trying to like there's tabanathal which is trying to help people with addiction which doesn't have any psychedelic component to it at all you have these chemicals where they're trying to separate the actual psychedelic side of things from you know the experience so do you think that you know that will have a a positive effect going forward Or do you think that these all these things will coexist
2: I think it's a minor issue okay. You know that we're talking about Like one small subset of a thing That's probably useful for like A kid who has trauma
1: hmm.
2: You know do you want to subject A kid to an eight hour like psychedelic Trip to help them deal with their trauma Or do right. you want them to have sort of an easier time um, People are never Going to stop growing mushrooms in their closet Right You know, we have nothing to worry about. There's always going to be people growing mushrooms, you know, just like, you know, just like in cannabis. It's like there's still people who are growing and selling their weed very happily and successfully outside, you know, the legal model. Right. You know, because, I mean, there are problems with the legal model and it is restrictive and gatekeeping and things like that. But mushrooms are easier to grow than weed. And it takes less mushrooms to get high than weed. You know, Mm. it's like, it's very hard to grow as much weed as you want to smoke in a year. Right. Right. If you're, if you're a smoker, I don't, I'm not a smoker. Um, it's very easy to grow more than enough mushrooms than you could ever eat in your lifetime.
1: Hmm. You know,
2: just, just is, you know, three week flush or whatever. And it's like, how, what are you going to do with all that? You know, you've got to share it. Right. Um, That's not legal advice. I'm not telling you legally, (laughs) of course. You know, don't break the law, kids. Um, Don't ask TAM integration for medical (laughs) or legal advice. No, that's important. I
0: know, like, on all these forums, I know our buddy who created that app, DMT World, it's, like, the hardest thing to keep the sourcing out of all this. And even on our comments when I post stuff on Instagram, (laughs) it's, like, people jump in with these, you know, trying to, like, sell stuff online. It's, like, get out of here. Don't do that on here. That's not, you know, obviously that's not a good call. So... I don't know.
2: Well, I understand that people are having a tough time um because people are having a tough time because things are illegal.
1: Right. And also
2: people are having a tough time making ends meet, and so you know, they're selling and there needs to be people who are selling and there oh, needs to be people who are buying. But it's like people but, comment the same
0: difficult. comment like 10 times on like an Instagram post. It's like, you know, get out of here with that, you know, like there's other yeah, that's places. Just rude. Yeah. But I mean it is what it is I don't disagree with you like I know you know that's part of that but it's just like I don't know it's just weird now because I don't think about it in the same way when we grew up getting stuff was kind of like a oh my gosh this is right you know it was like an event like oh let's do you know and now it's like well, it's kind of like cannabis that well, was... yeah I mean now it's a lot more prevalent but I mean I don't so you're not a smoke have you ever been a smoker or a vapor or anything in combination yeah. I, feel, I do feel like there is some well, sort could, of like I synergy smoking, with those but... two
2: Sure, um I mean, I eat an edible once in a while, you know, I'm not a daily smoker, right. you know, sometimes I hit a vape pen, but I really want to meditate with it. um sure I'm not re- it's not really yeah, yeah i' I'm, uh, it's, I'm not really doing it in like big groups or in social situations no, and understand. things like that. yeah, and really, I stopped smoking before vapes were a thing. You know, there'd be like two guys I knew. You know, when I when I stopped smoking, there were like two guys that had like huge volcano-looking things. Yeah, like it was like proto. Yeah, those volcano bags are enormous. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you? uh,
0: I don't know. I always felt like coming down. It always like helped me process things a little bit and give me a little bit more uh, clarity on my situation. But that's just me personally. I know everybody's different. And I went through a weird phase in high school too, where. I got in trouble for some things and wasn't I wasn't smoking, so I actually could just do psilocybin because it was like the one thing like nobody was really even expecting or anything. So um yeah, that was kind of an interesting time. But uh why do you think that back to like this whole science versus spiritual and mystical, why do you think that I
2: don't want there to be a versus, by the way.
0: Okay, no versus then. Why do you think that there are some scientists or science do people doing research that um want to take the spiritual element out of it do you think that that's just the nature of what they're doing and do you think that that um like you it seems like you don't really think it matters is is kind of what the vibe that i'm getting like you don't think that it's well, what do you, have, w- like when i say that i mean wait, what like, don't i
2: think matters
0: it's it, based on what i was saying about in terms of like the 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 money sector and then the science sector, kind of like, you know, I don't know. I, I, again, we haven't had anybody on the show, but I have seen people on Twitter and social media scientists saying, you know, all this spiritual nonsense associated with psychedelics or anybody having a mystical experience or psychedelic entities, like that's not even needed. It's not, you know, we can make this not part of the thing. I've seen that. So I guess for me, it's, I guess what I'm asking is do you think that that'll get weeded out or do you think that that'll stick around and that will just be different, you know, like you said, like offsets or subsets or whatever?
2: I think people, one of the things that makes me super grumpy is you'll see this in internet arguments a lot, is there'll be some sort of argument and then some guy, it's always a guy, um, will say, if you just did more ayahuasca then you would know the truth. Right? So there's this yeah. trope, trope that's like if you took enough of the drug that I think is important, you know, the the drug that I think is special, you would believe the same way I did. And that's ridiculous. You know, it's like people are different neurologically, people are different karmically you know people are different emotionally and people are going to have different opinions and you know i know that there's like a big weird divide right now and like you know it's very black and white in our culture these days the way people think but diversity is cool like in nature like i don't want to live in a in a in a christmas tree farm
1: mm-hmm.
2: you know i want to live in a rainforest where mm-hmm. like all kinds of cool things are happening all the time where if you want to listen to this music you can or you want to listen to that music you can if you want to believe this you want to believe that and like all that stuff happens harmoniously and so if there are like science guys who want to do rigid research that's very precise then that's great um, I'm that's not interesting to me but right. it's needed you know I want to like hang out with you know I want to hang out at the shows and I want to hang out you know by in the forests with my friends doing the kind of stuff that I'm doing. I want to build altars with my friends, you know? And so it's like, it's, it's a big world, you know, just like do yeah. the thing that you want to do with integrity and and we're good. No, I
0: like that. I guess what I was just trying to get at though is those are the people that will probably be dictating laws and policy based on their evidence and the way that they push things. So I guess that that, I guess it doesn't, back to what I said about it, not mattering. It sounds like you're under, the assumption which i kind of i guess agree with is that this has always happened regardless of law or science and people will always find a way to do it regardless of that so it doesn't really matter
2: i guess that's more of a um, i mean decrim is gaining speed you know it's like decrim, decriminalization is unstoppable
0: yeah it's oregon california and uh, colorado right those are the three so
2: far mm-hmm. No, there's all kinds of little st- towns you've never heard of. There's like like Somerville, Massachusetts is decriminalized. What like Ann Arbor, I know, is decriminalized. Yeah, like all these like random little places are just like super decriminalized, and like people are just taking it upon themselves to go to city council and be like, "Leave me alone," mm-hmm. and city council's like, "Okay." I mean, it's it's a it's a sea change, and you know, as as And this is why integration and community integration is so important is that as this happens, we still need to take care of each other. You know, this is, this, the, the point of decriminalization is so that we can sort of come out of the closet as it were, and we can start to be honest about what we're doing without fear and be able to talk to each other and share information without fear. And if we're having a hard time with something that we can get support from our peers without fear. You know, people who like love us just because they understand. Right. You didn't have to do anything. It's like you're you're on this path. I'm on this path. Tell me what's up. Right. Let me me support you. And like that's what community integration is all about. You know, as, as, as the decrim happens, you know, this is not so that you can just eat mushrooms and watch football on Sundays. I mean, if you want to. You know, this is so that we can, you know, fun. move more towards our. I'm suspect
1: of
0: anybody that wants to watch natural TV state. after eating mushrooms.
2: <laughs> you
1: know,
2: what are nope. you gonna, what, what do I watch sometimes coming down? Do you know David Hawkins? Uh, no. He's a uh, you know a new age spiritual teacher. He talks a lot about levels of consciousness. He's like a very peaceful, high vibration guy. He talks about like you know the spontaneous emergence of the intelligence of the universe and how it's all love. And you know sometimes I'll throw that on uh throw that on YouTube and put it in the corner and listen to it with my eyes closed. Sounds yeah, I, I mean I might listen
0: to like a book on tape mm-hmm. or like an audio book mm-hmm. or something like that, but I don't. I try and watch stuff normally. I'm like I can't do this and the. It, it just yeah. feels like a waste to me because closing my eyes and like imagining the universe or the stars or the way things work or how they might work or like the possibilities is far more interesting to me than anything that can be found on youtube or tv or something like that
2: yeah we do not spend enough time with laying on our back with our eyes closed listening to music hmm. yeah I, we I remember I, when there were records i think yeah. it's like you know some of it is you know, we have these little screens that are so easily available, but then there was also something magical about the record yeah. about vinyl is people would put on vinyl and they would like, you know, sit on their belly and like, look at the liner notes, you know, and lay on their back and close their eyes and wait for the record and then do rock, paper, scissors to see who would <laughs> flip it over.
0: I remember the first time I got like super baked when I was a lot younger and um going home throwing on like sneaking in, throwing on dark side of the moon and just the ambience and the background noise and the space between things. And it just, Mm -hmm. it takes you there for sure. Like I think that's why so many people love Pink Floyd is because there's something so unique and artistic about what they do.
2: Yeah. Um, One of the things I like about Pink Floyd is that it's challenging, Mm. you know, is that, You know, nowadays as I'm older and more, I don't know, more, you know, just things are chiller. I like things a little bit more chill. Um, You know, I listen to a lot of like Kirtan and New Age stuff and things like that. Really like chanting. It's a big part of my thing. But when I was younger, it's like, you know, like the intensity of Pink Floyd was like really pushed through some stuff. Yeah. And uh, it's it's an important contribution to psychedelic culture they made oh absolutely that live at pompeii
0: when it's just them and that amphitheater holy i mean that is unlike anything else one of my favorite things and just even when we were younger in high school we'd watch it We'd be like this is insane this is yeah you know this is i don't even think
3: we realized what it was when we watched it
0: yeah Mm -hmm. um but no i mean that's absolutely you know what what i think and look when it comes down to it, it's like I feel like I get a vibe from you. You're very chill. You're not really worried about a lot of the things that people are really worried about. Um, so even just oh, I'm worried felt, about some stuff. No, I know, but I'm saying like even me <laughs> asking that question, I felt awkward about the science versus because I because that is something that I normally ask people. I'm just curious on people's opinions on that. But I felt mm-hmm. you're so chill and not worried. Like I like that. Like I I want to be around people like that where things like that aren't a thing and we can focus more attention on the things that should matter as opposed to, you know, controversial topics or whatever the case may be. So I definitely, I appreciate your vibe and your, your chillness. And I think that we could all strive to be a little bit more laid back about some of this stuff.
2: Yeah. I mean, I have friends who are better activists than I, Hmm. you know, it's like, I'm not for, I'm not spearheading decriminalization efforts. Right. You know, it's not my strong suit. You know, my strong suit is, the inner work,
1: mm-hmm.
2: you know, it's like, I, I don't want to, you know, I want to be like 80, 20 on inner work versus outer work. Right. You know, just cause it makes me better at what I do, you know, it's like if, if, you know, um, you know, God put us here for a reason, quote unquote, God, replace right. it with whatever word doesn't make you bristle. Um, you know, and, so it's kind of like, well, okay, well, Krishna said in the Bhagavad Gita, better to do your Dharma imperfectly than other people's Dharma perfectly. Mm. So it's like, what in Dharma, you know, means way, you know, it's like the right thing for you to do. And so we all have to kind of figure out what is the right thing for us to do and then try and stay in our lane. Mm-hmm. You know, people invite me to do things sometimes that are just like, not my thing. Sure. And, you know, it, it might even be good and prof- it might be profitable. But I know that like it's probably not gonna work out that well. I'm not really actually suited to that mm. you know that's not what I need to be doing you know it's just it, it's being a good coach enough you know like whatever you do is just like being a, a really good whatever you are enough for you no, and I, like you know, I don't I don't want to get pulled out to like whatever the other thing is no i, I and I think that with social
0: media our phones being Tethered to us for the most part and you know all the different things going on. I think it's like we're almost being drawn to this external group realization that's can be negative in a lot of ways and I don't think that I think we're so early with technology and with phones and being able to hear everybody's opinion from across the world at all times that we don't really Mm -hmm. know how to deal with it. We don't even know how to deal with ourselves. And somehow we're externalizing everything right now. And I think like you mentioned, it's, it's, you got to go within, you know, that's why, like I said, I like meditating in darkness or even when I'm not on any Mm -hmm. sort of psychoactive compounds, the meditating in darkness is key for me. I like to visualize things. I like to go places in my mind, even when it's not just stillness and empty thoughts and things like that. So, um, Yeah. Like I said, I like your vibe and I like what you're doing for sure. And I know we probably wrap it up here, but uh, like I said, I just really appreciate Mm -hmm. what you're doing and I appreciate your attitude and uh, the way you bring people together via the summit and these integration circles. And if anybody's interested, you can go on the website. I'll put the link down below after we're done here. Uh, And you can check Mm -hmm. out the TAM integration website and they've got tons of resources on there. It's it's a really well put together website. And uh, yeah, thank you so much, man.
2: Yeah. That well, you know, thanks for note. Thanks for noticing. Thanks for inviting me on. This has been, it's been a blast. Um, I look forward to catching a show with you guys. Yeah, for sure. Sweet too. Yeah. Where are you at these
3: yeah. days?
0: Are you West coast, East coast?
2: I'm a, I'm on the East coast right now. I'm in like Western Massachusetts, very close to the New York border. Okay. It's really like in the woods. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's not terrible. Well, we
0: get around and uh, I know Maurice, uh, he's always hiking West coast too. So I'm sure that there'll be different times for us to, uh, link up. And yeah, I mean, I'm down, I'm always down to meet cool people too, you know, in, in the wild, not just on uh, social media or these platforms. So, um, but yeah, thank you so much, man. Is there anything else you want to get in there before we wrap it up here?
2: No, I mean, yeah, just. You know, look inside. Don't get distracted by fear and panic. Be nice to one another. That's all. All right. <laughs> that's Good a message. that's
0: that's a great message. We should, like I said, we could all strive to be more like that and uh, listen. You know, this has been a blast. We'll definitely have you back on in the future, and uh, I I hope everybody that's following the show. Check out the psilocybin summit. What are the days again? If you want to repeat that. September 16th to the 20th. 16th through the 20th. And amazing guests. Again, I was part of it last year. Um, Just the quality of the guests and even the people participating and listening and then asking questions after they're really thoughtful questions and really thoughtful people that participated. So I really appreciate that as well. So check that out and we'll put the link down below for you to check out the website. And that's it before we head on out of here. If everybody would just, again, go to our Patreon at patreon.com slash mindescapepodcast for just $2 a month, you know, you'll get exclusive content. If you like the psychedelic stuff, we've got extra segments on there with tons of people. Um, you know, there's just a ton of stuff on there. So go check it out. And uh, one more time, head on over to indrasweb.org. This is a social media platform we created to connect open minds. Oh, wow. So if you want to discuss this, any of the stuff that we've been talking about or any of the time on, on this podcast, not just psychedelic stuff, but, you know, ancient civilization stuff, uh, metaphysics, you know, like the nature of reality, theories of everything, that's the place to do it. We are still working on trying to get it in the App Store. I will definitely announce that when we do. And one more thing, if you listen to the show and um, we're trying to grow our presence on Apple Podcasts, We do have t-shirts available, so we're going to do a t-shirt giveaway actually at the end of September. So if you've not given us a five-star review, not that you need to give us a five-star, but just give us a nice review on Apple Podcasts, we will definitely be, uh, you know, take a screenshot of it, send it to our email, and then I'll pick a winner and we will give away uh, a t-shirt at the end of the month. So, well, we are out of here, so I love everybody. Stay safe out there and uh, we'll catch you next time. Peace. Peace.